0: I am a very true, true Capricorn. Love that. I like order. I like lists. I like checking out lists.
1: <laughs> My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. Because we're here to talk and maybe scream. About our favorite
2: women in musical theater.
1: Kevin, now that we're friends, I've decided to make you my new project.
2: You really don't have to do that.
1: I know. That's what makes me so nice. And I am so nice because I'm giving you a Glinda episode.
2: Okay, but I, I just like I to have to point out that, yeah, like last episode <laughs> you were like, maybe I'm a Glinda. And this week you're like taking on the Glinda persona in our shtick. Like I am proud of the progress you made last week. And I am very excited to talk to this guest tonight. It feels big. I am too. This feels big. I mean, this is a guest that we say it every week. We literally this say a guest this every week. That we've wanted since the beginning that we've been courting a little bit, like being like, "Hey, girl, whenever you're ready." A little tag on Twitter here and there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think that this guest, Quincy, is like a little added layer of special for you and I because the first time we saw Wicked together was specifically to see this actress.
1: Oh yeah, that's a fun story. There was a stretch of time where it was announced that Brittany Johnson was going to be on as Glinda and Kevin and I were like, hey, we're going to enter the digital lottery every single day this week and hope that we win one time to see Brittany. And then literally the first day we entered, we won. Yeah. The Wicked Gods were looking out for us.
2: I'll say it. Brittany is, I think, one of my favorite... Glinda's. Why isn't that Kevin? I love an act two Glinda. Mm -hmm. Um, and Brittany just strikes me as like one of the old school girls. She's funny, but she's not playing funny. Like I think Brittany is just a funny person. And so it like comes across also looks stunning in the costumes and wig. Stunning. Stunning. So good.
1: There was just something really fresh about her take on the role. And it was really cool and exciting to be able to see it live. And I'm glad that we got to see it. I hope I get to see it again in
2: the near future. Yes, I hope so too. Not that I'm wishing Ellen. No, 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 no. Not that I want her to miss performances, but (laughs) I would love to see Brittany again soon. Um, So should we dive into Miss Brittany Johnson's resume? I would love to, Quincy. Brittany Johnson... Uh, I don't want to say started her career, but her first IBDB credit is the 2011 uh, 25th anniversary tour of Les Miserables, where she played the pivotal role of Young Whore. That was my high school nickname. And she also understudied Eponine in that time. A couple years later in 2014, uh, she made her Broadway debut in Motown the Musical, uh, where she was a swing and she understudied Diana Ross. I would have paid big bucks to see that. I bet she was so good as... In the Diana Ross stuff. Mm -hmm. Then in 2015, she was back in Les Mis, but this time on Broadway, in the ensemble of the show, understudying Eponine and Fantine, had a little stint, I'm not sure how long it was, but there was like a stint where she was the full-time Eponine, I think maybe as like an in-betweener, and it is worth noting that not only did Ms. Brittany Johnson make history in Wicked the Musical, she also made history in Les Mis by being the first Black woman to play both Eponine and Fantine, and the first and maybe only woman in history to play both roles on the same day. A feat that only kevin bianchi could also accomplish i'm ready i can do both in one show bitch if they didn't have to sing together at the end i would be demanding a split track (laughs) after les ms uh ms johnson moved over to the stephen sondheim theater where she was in beautiful the carol king musical as little ava and a Sherelle. Uh, and Little Ava's the one that sings Locomotion, right? She's got that good costume change where she, like, spins around and the new dress comes out. <laughs> then, in 2017, she was in Quincy's fake favorite musical, Sunset Boulevard. <coughs> 2018, she makes her wicked debut in the ensemble Understudying Glinda. Our girl did that for just about a year. And then, in a historic move gets bumped up to stand by Glinda where she becomes the first black woman mm. to be like fully attached to the role of Glinda. To don the blonde wig and strut on stage. Ms. Johnson is an iconic witch through and through. And I hope that she has big things in store for her, both in the Wicked Verse and beyond. She'll do it full time, right? She's gotta. I feel, I feel it in the cards. Quincy... The time when Ms. Johnson is going to be joining us is rapidly approaching. Rapidly approaching. You want to hit me with a little choices, options, and bootlegs?
1: I do. Before I do, I feel like we should acknowledge, hi guys, welcome to the last episode of Oztoberfest. Happy Wicked Day. Happy one-year anniversary, Kevin. We really just like jumped into this episode.
2: Yeah, what a fucking year it's been, right? And what a month it's been.
1: Get sentimental in the conclusion. I can feel you getting a little sentimental. Let's save it for the end.
2: That's it. That's it. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Today, I have prepared for you. You might know because I gave you a little tease, I was inadvertently singing the song earlier. It is Britney Johnson singing Whitney Houston's I Have Nothing at Kenny Davidson's Celebrity Piano Bar, T Spot Lounge, Tuscany, Las Vegas. That's what the description says, so that's what I said. And here's the thing here's why I like it because we know Britney Johnson now as a Glinda as, Mm -hmm. like, a soprano-y singer. She has the high notes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something she's talked about a lot is, like, growing up, she saw black performers, black female performers singing in a way that she didn't necessarily resonate with and felt like the only way she was going to be a performer is if she sang that way. But then she saw Audra and realized you can have a soprano and still find success as a black woman in theater. Mm -hmm. Which, yes, 100%. But the reason why I find this (laughs) video (laughs) so... (laughs) but the reason why i find this video so thrilling is because now i'm used to hearing britney johnson sing in her soprano and in this video she's belting and i uh we all know love a belt and it's thrilling to see that she can do both so incredibly well get you a witch who can do both yeah the best belters are sopranos as you always say i know it (laughs)
2: <laughs> i know it
1: and so yeah i just love this because it's great to hear her wail on a whitney houston song and hear her belt much like when i saw her sing as if we never say goodbye at Kristen Chenoweth's for the girls broadway residency go watch the video listeners it is quite fun and with that with that quincy i've been waiting i've been waiting for so long let's just do it i'm excited for you to have another glinda episode i, I feel good that you got a glinda episode in
2: oztoberfest it's been a minute Since Carrie St. Louis. It's been a minute. A lot of listeners have been asking. Yeah, the same way that a lot of people wanted us to talk to Jessica Bosk, like a lot of people wanted to hear us talk to Brittany. And I also wanted to hear us talk to Brittany. So So here we go. Let's hear it.
1: Brittany Johnson, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You truly have been like one of our top wants from the very beginning of starting this podcast. almost Oh my them.
2: gosh. It's true. And I would say our <laughs> top wants for our listeners as well. Like I would say at least twice a week we get a DM that's like, but when are you going to have Brittany on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we start every interview by asking, how did Wicked the Musical come into your life? Not necessarily you went into audition for it, but like the show itself.
0: Yeah. I want to say it came into my life. I did a um, summer program when I was a sophomore, maybe going into my sophomore year of high school. Mm -hmm. And it was really my first time being exposed to musical theater really in general. Like I I didn't really grow up with musicals except for like The ones on VHS, you know, Annie, and and Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And um, I mean, there were these girls there. They were obsessed with Wicked. And I was like, what is this Wicked? Like, what are they talking about? And they would go around singing loathing all the time. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I thought they were, because the girls were twins. And so they were, like, petitioning to get to sing the song together. And so I thought Elphaba and Glinda were sisters for the longest time. (laughs) Until I actually saw it. (laughs) <laughs> I saw the tour at the Kennedy Center, and I was like, "Oh,
1: that's not okay. what it's about
0: at all." Do you
1: remember who you saw on tour?
0: I knew you were going to ask me that. I didn't know <laughs> at the time; like, I didn't know that was a thing I was supposed to remember. You sure. know, yeah, so, sure, I remember loving it. I mean, it was
1: amazing. Because you were a theater, that program you did was like the NYU theater program, right? Well, that
0: was different. That was this summer before my senior year.
1: I did mm, that. Gotcha. So you weren't like a theater person? This wasn't on your radar?
0: No. Like I, I wanted to sing. That's all I wanted yeah, to do sure. growing up. And I did the school musical my freshman year. And my sophomore year, I we did – no. Maybe I didn't do anything my freshman year. But my sophomore year, we did Music Man. And then my junior year, we did Les Mis.
3: And I was Fonteen.
0: Okay. And I was like, uh-huh. yes, this is the choice. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then my senior year, we did Sunday in the Park.
2: Oh, wow. Your high school did amazing shows. We really did.
0: We did great shows.
2: That's like a rep season.
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, and I also think my teachers, they kind of did the shows around who they knew was going to be in the cast. And so I was very, very, very lucky to have the teachers that I had. Because before college, I didn't really have any acting training, not any like formal acting training
1: mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. or like formal dance
0: training. <laughs> I didn't have anything. The only thing I had was I had private voice since I was like eight.
1: Mm-hmm. So for you,
2: theater was an outlet for you to sing.
0: Yeah, it kind of it started that way.
2: Was it that production of Les Mis where it kind of clicked of like, oh, maybe this is like something I can do for a longer time than high school?
0: It was. And once I kind of realized that it was an option for a career.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you can sing and dance for a living. <laughs> Once <laughs> I realized that, I was like, oh, well, that's what I want to do then.
2: <laughs> I didn't realize that was...
0: I didn't realize because, you know, I grew up thinking musicals were like TV musicals. They weren't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or things that people did, you know, regionally. Like I did my regional production of Joseph and the Amazing technical i was one of the kids, you know, yeah, but I didn't yeah. think that it was really anything bigger than that. I just didn't, I didn't know. So
1: what did you want to do before that switched over? I
0: wanted to be Mariah Carey. Me too. I mean, I still kind of want to be Mariah Carey.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I realized
0: you couldn't go to college to be Mariah Carey.
2: You can't major in Mimi. Okay, so we
1: saw Wicked that first time, and were you hooked? Is it a show that stayed with you? Because some guests are like, I saw Wicked, and I immediately knew I wanted to be in it. And some are like, I saw it, and I was like, okay, yeah, that was a show. And then I went into audition for it later, and I booked it. Where did you kind of I, fall on that spectrum?
0: I remember loving it, and I remember it being like... Because this this also is the beginning of my, you know, theater awakening. I want to say it was... No, it was the second touring show that I saw. The first one I saw was Ragtime. Uh And that one was like, it was really the first time I saw myself on stage. Sure. And so I was like, oh, okay, there's a place for me. And then I saw Wicked and I was like, this is really cool. But I didn't have any kind of like perception either way of where I could or couldn't fit.
4: Mm -hmm. I just
0: knew that I really enjoyed myself. And then when I got to college seeing shows and actually like training and being more kind of like in the world or at least preparing for the world Mm -hmm. and realizing that it wasn't at the time. And still, we're still kind of getting there. It wasn't just open to everyone. It was like, you have a type and Mm -hmm. even if you can sing it, if you don't look it, then it doesn't matter. And I, I feel like my entire college experience with me trying to like fight against my type. I was like, no, I can do everything. I want to do everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Cause you've talked about before how you kind of grew up seeing black women performers singing in a certain type of way. And that wasn't necessarily where you resonated it, did that hit in college? Is that where you kind of had that realization?
0: Well, I mean, way before then, but in college when when we would talk about type and when I would get, you know, specific scenes for class that really just didn't make any sense <laughs> for, mm. for who I for was you. and the type of performer that I was and what I even wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my, my voice has always been on the softer side. Like, I grew up in church, so I, I grew up, you know, with mm. people like singing yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and
0: I can imitate it and I can do it once a week on Sunday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cause we were talking in the intro. We were, you do
2: have a belt. Oh yeah. It's there. Oh,
0: I, oh, I could sing it, but you know, I, w- I, I wouldn't want to eight times a week. That's, you know, that's a very specific, yes. you know, I'm not going to be in the color purple. It's not going to happen for mm.
2: me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you graduate college you're kind of like going through the early years of your career did you still feel put into the box of what they wanted you to be when you were at school
0: yes and no I think well my first show right out of college was Les Mis Mm -hmm. and the way that they cast it I felt very appropriate for it felt appropriate for my voice felt appropriate for my persona like I I felt like I was well cast Mm -hmm. to do it, and it kind—it was like I'm so grateful that that was my first show. I learned so much. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I mean, it—it's maybe hard to say this or bad to say this, but I saw specific characters as Mm -hmm. I'm not going to play this character, even though Mm -hmm. I can sing it. I'm not going to be Fontaine because Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it done. Gotcha, and. She's always blonde and she's all, and mm-hmm. this is their, their archetype. I can play Eponine. and I can play the suffering one who, you know, has a love for someone that's unrequited. And that's, right. you know, that's the stereotype that I always saw.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the,
0: the friend, you know, never the love interest.
4: Yeah.
0: So as Lane is, I did the tour. I did pre-Broadway in Toronto and then I did Mama Mia in Vegas that was so much fun. Oh. But again, it was like I was the friend. Mm-hmm. And then I booked Motown. Okay, Motown. Was like <laughs> that that type of voice that, again, I can do, mm-hmm. but my voice doesn't naturally sit in a lot of the places where people in that building, their voice sat. So like Diana Ross was a great character for me. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> It's like a little soft, a little just, you know, like it's, it's about the character, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you can you sing down a little bit, but it wasn't like hard belting.
1: Was there a level of when you are auditioning for shows like, oh, I don't want to go into parts that I would be just like stereotypically typecast in? Or were you in the beginning, especially just going wherever you could get a job? I
0: think in the beginning, I just was like, I want to audition for everything I want. Mm-hmm. If I have an opportunity to audition for something I want to, I was always reaching out to my agents. Like I want to audition for this. I want to audition for this. And a lot of times I wouldn't get the audition, but I was trying, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't for lack was like, of I, I. I mean, I have always wanted to push boundaries. I've always wanted people to just be able to see a person as a character, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's made up, it shouldn't matter. And I've always felt that way. So I would want to be seen for things. And maybe I would get to, maybe I wouldn't. But I was always trying to go out for them.
4: That's incredible. And then sometimes yeah. I'd get
0: auditions for things, and I'd be like, "Why am I at this Memphis call? I can't do this." <laughs> <laughs> I'm
4: not oh Memphis.
0: <laughs> oh goodness, I embarrassed myself so much at that Memphis call. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh they oh <laughs> had me dance first. Whoever yeah, had yeah. me dance first, I blacked out.
2: repressed it's gone
0: (laughs) all i remember is at one point they had me in the middle too and when we did the the showing of it and all i remember is that both of the people next to me went down into whatever we were supposed to be doing and i was still up and i just i was like yeah like like cheering them on because i was like i'm lost I don't know
2: what's happening. It's your gig now. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of having to dance first, what was your audition, <laughs> Wicked process or your Wicked audition <laughs> process like?
0: For Wicked, thankfully I got to sing first.
2: <laughs> Bless. That's amazing. <laughs> what did you initially go in for? Like what was the
1: initial audition for?
0: It was for a Glinda cover.
1: Really? Okay.
0: That was my very first time auditioning for Wicked. I had never been able to audition before.
1: And did you realize the kind of gravity that that carried when you were like, oh, I'm going in for a Glinda cover. I don't think this has been done before.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I I remember when I first saw the email, I was like, for Glinda? Like, I thought, sure, that when I finally got a you know, audition, it'd be for Alphaba. I was like mm.
1: that. Were you mentally prepared to go in for Alphaba?
0: I wasn't mentally prepared to go in for anything. Cause I, I mean, in 10 years, I'd never gotten a Wicked audition. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so when it came through, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll go in. I honestly, I didn't think anything past the first audition.
2: Mm-hmm. I was
0: like, I'm going to be prepared and I'm going to get to go in and sing this material for people. And that like, that was it.
2: That's enough. Right.
0: Yeah, I was like, okay, let me prepare. And I like picked up my outfit and, you know. yeah.
1: Because regardless of if you book, performing for like those people is just good for your career, I feel like.
0: Yeah, and well, they started me, you know, I I auditioned for casting. And then Mm -hmm. they brought me back the next day and I auditioned for some of the team. Mm -hmm. Then I had to dance. (laughs) (laughs) And then they had me come back in one more time for everybody.
1: What were you doing in the audition?
0: I had to do... The opening, let us be glad, okay, and popular. I think that's it. And then some and of the scenes,
4: yeah. yeah. And then yeah, some yeah. of
0: some of the scenes. Chelsea had never really seen me in that light. Mm-hmm. They never heard that part of my voice.
1: I never oh. really got called
0: in to to play those kinds of roles mm-hmm. again because of of typecasting.
1: Because is it fair to say that that soprano is where you prefer to
2: live vocally?
0: That is where I more comfortably live. That's actually how I was trained initially.
2: And so then when you were um, in these auditions and going in, we've had other guests say like, I realized like the way that I was getting notes was like they wanted me to succeed. Like they wanted- to help me get it right? Like, did you feel? Yeah,
0: oh, I absolutely felt that way, especially in that dance call. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I booked it and I was in rehearsals, every time I got lifted, I would giggle. So every time they would lift me, I would laugh in the audition. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. I could tell that they really did want me to succeed because of how, like, they came over and they worked with me and they, they were just making sure that, like, I understood the movement so that when they recorded it, it was seamless. It
2: was the best it could yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Like it,
0: it was a really welcoming audition. Like it didn't feel usually when I'm in dance auditions for good reason, I'm terrified. <laughs> and I, I remember feeling very much like this is a work session and they, they want to mm-hmm. feel, they want to see if you can pick up movement.
1: Do you remember a point in the audition process where you got emotionally invested and you were like, Oh, I want this.
0: If I'm super honest, I never let myself get there. Really?
1: Okay. Not
0: with this show. I didn't let myself get there. And especially because earlier in that year, I had gotten so close with other things mm-hmm. that it was just, and then they went, you know, the traditional way or whatever, you know, whatever. And I was like, you know, I just, I don't want to get too excited about this. I want to enjoy the fact that I've gotten this far
2: and enjoy
0: the fact that now this casting office knows that I do more things and I've gotten to sing this music in front of people. You know, maybe it'll come back around again. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But like, I, every single time, it was just about that time.
2: At, at what point did it click, like, okay, this is real. This is happening? Was it when the offer came or was it? Yeah, what was getting that call like?
0: It, it all happened so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, it was like a two week period from my first audition to, my first rehearsal. That's like, it quick. Was, it was That's fast. Really quick. So it was like, oh, I got this audition. Cool. Oh, I'm going to go in again. Cool. Oh, again. Oh, okay. I guess I'll go dance. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll go in another time. I booked it. Yeah. Rehearsal is on Monday.
3: <laughs> like, it was... It was, it,
0: it was, like, that fast. Like, even... I mean, I probably didn't even really realize where I was that first week of rehearsal. Like, I just was... Like, Doing it. yeah, okay. Just learning, and because I was learning yeah. my ensemble track, so mm-hmm. it was like I'm just trying to remember all the dances. Yeah.
1: What was your ensemble track?
0: I in Emerald City, I had the hat with the little swoop.
1: Oh um, um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Okay, and
0: Here. I have the mob coat that looks like a bottle. <laughs> oh. It's <Yeah>. like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I was just, I mean, I was just focusing on trying to learn how to sing instead of laugh every time I got picked up.
1: Do you feel like being in the ensemble helped you in your career? Like, did you pick up skills that were beneficial to you as a performer?
0: It's definitely a different world. Like, Oz is a different world.
1: Because we've heard from other actresses that, like, Wicked as a show is just so different from any other Broadway show you're going to do. And it's so, like, regimented and you have to, like be in this spot in a way that other shows aren't
0: well the, a lot of the other shows i was in were like that too i mean especially because Les Mis, if you have you seen it everything is so dark yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah and
0: so if you are a principal you have to know where the light's gonna be or else you're not gonna be seen no gonna see.
2: <laughs> yeah well and much like wicked Les Mis is like a machine like it's like mm. a big yeah. cultural phenomenon where yeah. people show up and they want one thing
0: exactly and yeah. that and it, it's it's definitely like that it's like this is the machine this is how it works here you fit into it and here spot it is mm-hmm. yeah. whereas Mama mia was like <laughs> much more free and like yes you have to be on your spot but like you're not going to get hit by a moving set piece really <laughs> yeah whereas motown those set pieces were flying off stage and like you had to step off the platform at the right time or you were going with it. There were quick Mm. changes, beautiful. There were like serious quick changes that happened behind moving pieces. So I'm used to specificity. I Mm, think I, mm -hmm. I think I kind of thrive on it.
2: Were you thinking like, I want to climb within this company or were you just like, great, I'm going to do Wicked for eight months. And
0: no, I definitely wanted to play it. I mean, I wanted to make that history. Mm Mm-hmm. And more important than just making history, like it's really was about laying down the groundwork for other people to come after me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I'm in the door already, I just got to keep kicking the door till it's all the way down. And that was kind of my thought for all of it. It was like, just keep going. (laughs) Just just, just, just don't mess up. Don't break the
3: show.
1: (laughs) So then on that note, did you kind of, because we've heard from former standbys who went to lead or understudies who went to standby that they kind of internally advocated for themselves to get that bump up? Is that something you were doing when you were understudy?
0: Yes and no. I mean, when you're one brand new to a company that Mm -hmm. has been around for so long, there are like inner working protocols. It just like didn't, you know, there's some things like I don't have, I didn't have relationships with those people. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel comfortable talking to the associate director yeah. you know about that and then there was a lot of like i am a person of color i am the only one that's ever been hired to do this i'm not going to make waves i'm not gonna mm-hmm. make myself any kind of problem i'm not i'm not going to do anything that be could be misconstrued as Anything negative.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is a tricky line, I think, to play. It's aspect.
0: very tricky. And it's something that, I mean, I, I've been doing really my whole life and my, my whole career. It's not my first time being the first anything. You know, it is something that I am grateful for the conversations that have been happening around it mm-hmm. since the pandemic and post-pandemic. And I definitely approach my role in the theater. In Wicked, yes, but in the theater world in general, I think I approach it a little differently now. I'm definitely not afraid to speak up now. And especially because I, I'm always respectful and kind. And Mm -hmm. I think that is what is most important is as long as the person that you're speaking to knows you have respect for them, even if you disagree, then you can have those conversations.
1: Well, and especially in this like post, well, we're still in it, but like post pandemic era where racial inequality stuff is on the forefront of everyone's minds. Do you feel some sort of added pressure being kind of one of the beacons in Broadway for this movement? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: (laughs) My answer is yes.
1: It's got to feel dicey for you. I imagine.
0: You know, it is, it is a great responsibility and it's great in all of, all of the definitions of great because it, it's never been something that I, didn't think I could handle and it's never been something that I was afraid to handle because I do feel like I was kind of made for this I've I have grown up as the only or one of the few in almost all situations of my life
4: yeah mm-hmm.
0: and I've learned how to maintain my individuality in who I am but also how to adapt in certain situations. And it's, it's unfortunate. Code switching is unfortunate, but I learned how to do it like the best of them.
1: It's like necessary.
0: Yeah. And it protected me in some circumstances. It still didn't matter in some circumstances. People just look at you and they see what they want to see.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, but it's nice that the conversation is happening now. I don't feel necessary to like put on any kind of like thing. I just, I am myself and people I mean, I also feel like people know me well enough now Mm -hmm. that they know where I'm coming from whenever I I speak, but having a platform is, it's a responsibility and I am aware of it. Every time I speak, I'm aware of it right now, having this conversation (laughs) with you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Every time I post on social media, I mean, I, I am aware that people are watching and that people are not only looking up to me, but they're counting on me to lead the way yeah and I definitely don't take that lightly
1: on that note I've only seen like a love fest for you since you booked the understudy role but I have to imagine (laughs) there have been like negative things that have been said how do you navigate that and seeing those things if you're seeing
0: it. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen too much of it because I don't go looking.
1: Okay.
2: Thank you very much. (laughs) uh, Yeah. You will find what you look for. You know,
0: I don't, I do not look myself up. Like, I I don't. The only things I really see are what people send me. But like, I I have seen a couple things that were were hard to read. And mostly, I, I just feel sorry for the people that are writing them because it, you know, either... Their minds aren't open enough or they haven't experienced enough, which mostly it's that they like, they really just haven't experienced enough of the world to understand that other people have the same experiences as them.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. And I think I've only ever really responded to one of them. They were like responding to something and I responded to them and I was like, I honestly have no idea what you're talking about, but I appreciate your (laughs) feedback and have a great day like it was literally it was like i it's just like they're what they said was so out of the blue that i literally was like i don't even know what they could be referring to so
1: yeah i
0: mean blessings
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> moving into the character of glinda What do you love most about performing that role? The role itself covers so much and utilizes so much of like an actress's talents. What do you think is really your bread and butter in Glinda? Oh my God, Kevin.
2: (laughs) Quincy, I'm so proud of you for like saying that nice thing about Glinda.
1: (laughs) Our (laughs) shtick is that I'm the alphabet guy and he's the Glinda girl. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) That was
2: so lovely, (laughs) Quincy.
0: (laughs) I mean, I do think, I mean, Glinda is like, Glinda is the character.
4: Ooh. Elphaba's
0: green, and so she stands out. But, like, Glinda goes through the most. She has the the biggest arc. She changes the most. We see her growth. It's like, you have to be emotionally, and you just, you just have to be so invested. Not that you don't have to be for Elphaba, but, like, there is a change that has to occur in you. There are subtleties that have to exist in you from the moment you come down in the bubble for everything else to make sense. Mm -hmm. And even if the audience doesn't always notice those things unless it's like your second or third time seeing especially seeing mm-hmm. the same person play the role and then you can be like oh oh I want to see like what she's doing in the beginning that actually is yeah, also yeah, about yeah. the end you know this
4: uh, uh, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right right you know <laughs> right,
0: your, right. First, your first time seeing it you might not you might not notice the those subtleties nuance. but yeah it's yes, the nuance yes <laughs> um, <laughs> but it it really is it's like I know Glinda so well and my portrayal of Glinda is different than anyone else's. Just I mean, anyone's portrayal of Glinda is different than anyone else's because we all mm-hmm. bring our own life experience and our own, you know, everything else to the character. Yeah. But especially mine
4: mm-hmm.
0: adds way different layers because I think it levels the playing field between Glinda and Alphaba in in a different way. Mm. So I love playing against those things. I love leaning into like the manipulative, like little things mm-hmm. that Glinda does that she's still good. Like she's she does all of these things because she really does think that what's in her best interest is what's in everyone's best interest.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's like there's there's little things that you notice that it's like there's more to this person than just being good and everyone lo- yeah. like there's there's just there's more to it
4: mm-hmm. yeah
0: I love leaning into those things and finding out how to really make her likable <laughs> like at the <laughs> beginning like <laughs>
4: yeah
0: I mean how do you make that person likable because there you have to show some of the cracks sometimes they have to be mm-hmm. exposed sometimes
2: mm-hmm. yeah so,
0: so that they can then be glossed glossed
2: over again you know and for you as an actress like what are those moments like well, where. I
0: can't My secrets. Okay, I'm
1: sorry. You have to come see it. Oh, we I actually did see you live.
0: (laughs) So, then you've seen it. We've seen it. At different times, I like Mm -hmm. like to play. So, I like to find different things. Sometimes, depending on how my day was, different lines mean different things. And however the person responds, you know, Mm -hmm. elicits a different response from me. I like to stay very loose and adaptable when yeah. I'm playing.
2: Do you feel like that inclination to like keep keep it fresh and keep it playful contributes to your success as a standby? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because it's a tough gig, not really getting to find your flow, but needing to be able to come on and execute at, you know, your A plus level mm-hmm. when you yeah. are on. It's, it's a specific gig. It's not for everybody.
1: Yeah. So Glinda is a historically blonde White, surface level ditzy girl rehearsing for the role. Did you find that there were things that like Brittany wanted to bring to Glinda that like maybe went against what the role had been for all of Wicked's run?
0: I was encouraged from day one to bring myself.
1: That's amazing. And
0: it was one of the first times. Really? <laughs> coming in to replace or to cover something that I really was encouraged to find her for myself.
1: Mm. Which had to feel so good.
0: Oh my gosh, so good. But also I was like, wait, <laughs> I can do it like I wanna do it. Like that was
3: never, <laughs> that
0: was never something I had been able to do. And so yeah. it gave me the freedom to really play in the rehearsal room and like just like throw spaghetti against the wall and see what's stuck. Cause it was like sometimes I get I get laughs from things from people who like had been teaching this show for, like at it, the time, yeah. like 15 years. Yeah. And they would see something new that I didn't laugh. And yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> <"That's> me? <laughs> i like, <"Yeah."> funny? <laughs> so oh, I had a lot of fun just finding her, like, base personality on me. Mm-hmm. And now, since I, like, I feel like I, I have my base... Yeah, I like to play when
1: it yeah, happens, yeah. you know? Okay, so we ask every guest, you're okay. only the second Glinda we've had on the podcast. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Typically, we ask alphabas, are you a Wizard and I, Defying Gravity, or No Good Deed alphabet? And with Glindas, we like to ask, are you a No One Warns the Wicked, Popular, or Thank Goodness Glinda? And that can mean whatever you want it to mean. All we ask is that you explain why.
0: I am a Thank Goodness Glinda
1: yes you are
2: I would agree
0: (laughs) (laughs) for a couple reasons it's the most fun to sing hands down Uh, vocally acting wise all of it but the nuances that you have to play and hold back Mm -hmm. simultaneously during that song make it so like active and like it literally like this is what your body is doing the whole time it's Mm -hmm. just like you're just like fight you're just having this inner war while you're standing and greeting and encouraging the people of Oz they're looking up to you and you're up there having an existential crisis about whether or not everything you thought you wanted is what you wanted Mm -hmm. and I have had that thought in life probably had it this morning like
1: (laughs) especially in Your career.
0: Oh, yeah. All the time. Like every time I say happy is what happens when all your dreams come true, isn't it? I am asking that question every (laughs) night because it just it's so heavy. Mm -hmm. There is so much responsibility and you only live one time. You get to do this one time. And so the choices that you make matter. Yeah. So I'm a thank goodness Glinda.
2: <laughs> Bring it back. A fantastic <laughs> answer. So the anniversary is coming up. Yeah. And what was that like for you to be the Glinda that America saw on TV?
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> So exciting. <laughs> so exciting. It was kind of like I was talking about earlier how like it didn't really register till I was there. We rehearsed for the today show and like we we even got there in the morning and like I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm here at the today show. Yeah. And then it wasn't you until you're still was like wiping like, the
1: sleep out of your sleeping. eyes
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> early morning. It really yeah. And, like, we blocked it, and, like, you know, I we had our own, like, dressing space, and it's all over the walls. There's all these LED screens with the Today Show logos and, you know, all this stuff. And I just remember walking in with my tea, being like, cool, yeah, I'm at the Today Show. Just, like, it was just another day at the office, you mm-hmm, know. Yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as we did it, and it was live, there's just something about live performance. Something energizes in you. It's like the fuse is just lit, and you're like... And then it was like, oh, I'm on the Today show and I'm here and I'm, you know,
1: <laughs> turning it out. But up
0: until then I was so calm. I was like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, where do you need me to stay? Absolutely, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And then it was on and I was like
1: And it was a segment on the Today show. I was like, oh, they're doing another number? Oh, another one? I was like
0: <laughs> it was. It was like and I was getting I was getting calls and like videos of myself from people I, I hadn't spoken to
4: yeah. In
0: years, I mean, people just like it felt like a not this. I'll I'll say it had reminiscent uh, feelings to when I made my debut.
4: Mm-hmm. It was oh, like wow. people
0: were just like, wow. "Wow!" Like this was something that I got to see, and that my you know kid got to see, and that you know because it, it was on television.
1: Exactly. Where it's like it's one thing to do it on Broadway and be the first, but mm-hmm. then. To do it on national television is like a real moment, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. Before
1: we wrap up, friend of the pod, Riley Costello, told oh, us that no. we have to Let's ask go. you oh, yeah. about Adventure Day.
4: Yeah, Adventure Day! <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so I moved to L.A. over the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. And I lived like 15 minutes away from Riley. So we saw each other Pretty much every day, <laughs> every oh, other. Day. And we developed what we dubbed Adventure Day, which basically we would pick an activity and we would spend the day doing whether you know, it was hiking, we went tubing one time, we like we, oh. I mean, we did some awesome stuff, yeah, and then yeah. we would come back and we would raid each other's refrigerators for whatever was in there, and then we would make dinner oh. and watch something. we would just spend the whole day. And we call it Adventure Day. That is so
2: cute. <laughs> so we should do that. <laughs>
0: we'll do it! I know, we have, we have to plan one. We're, we're trying to plan our next Adventure Day while we're both here. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> oh, Brittany, thank you for joining us. This has been so fun. Yeah, thank you so much, Brittany.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> Where can people find you online, Brittany?
0: Find me on the Instagram and the Twitter mm-hmm. at Sunny Brittany
1: of it and you are very sunny
0: but yeah th- those are those are the best places to find me and then everything else is on one of those pages if you I, I coach and everything and the links if you want to book a session with me either for yeah. life coaching like I do I do life and relationship coaching
1: okay. and really? then I also
0: do artist development coaching awesome.
1: and like performance coaching she contains multitudes
0: Multitudes. <laughs>
1: she's got the range honey <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but the links to those are on my Instagram.
1: Awesome. Amazing. Thank you, Brittany.
0: Thank you, guys, for having me.
2: Are you just ecstatic? I am basking in the glow, the soft pink glow of yet another glamorous, gorgeous, glorious, gooptastic
1: conversation. I'm really glad we got a Glinda episode into Oztoberfest. I feel like it really rounds things
2: out. And with a Glinda like Brittany, who is like, not only a current Glinda, but is also like one of the Glindas, you know what I mean? The Glinda, Like with two E's. Canon Glindas. Canonical Glindas.
1: Yeah, no, a really like interesting conversation. I feel like we covered a lot of things that we normally don't cover on this podcast. So it was great to have Brittany on and get to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. One thing I thought that was interesting is when we were talking about... Because something we've heard, and I don't think this is tea to share from the guests that we've had on, is that like Wicked is very regimented when you go into it. It's a Chili's. It's a Chili's, to quote Ms. Fosk. It's a Chili's. <laughs> um, but it was interesting to hear that Ms. Johnson is used to working at Chili's, and she loves the order of Chili's, the structure that Chili's provides. <laughs>
2: We gotta drop of the Chili's metaphor. <laughs> You're like Brittany's bringing out the appetizers. She's refilling your drinks. She is used to working at Chili's. She's bringing out the dollar she... margaritas. Is that Chili's? No, that's uh, Applebee's. Okay. Brittany said that she kind of, like, works well with that, like, hyper-specificity.
1: Which makes a lot of sense when you think that, like, oh, she started in Les Miserables.
2: Yeah. But then what was interesting, too, was that then she said that that Wicked, capital W, like, gave her the freedom to really, like, bring herself into the role, which is, like... also
1: unusual. Also unusual.
2: And for somebody who, like, likes lists and likes order and... I would imagine there's probably like some push and pull there of like, like no, I yeah. want you to tell me what to do. Like I, I, I want to yeah. know how I'm supposed to do
1: it. If I ever went into Wicked as the Wizard, I'd be like, tell me exactly what choices you want
2: me to make, and I will do it. Yeah, I cannot say I would be the same as Doctor Dillamond. Honestly, a gay Dillamond works. I would love a gay Dillamond. He is supposed to be an othered member of society. Because he's a goat. Yeah, and Alphaba's green. We're working with very thinly veiled metaphors here, Quincy. (laughs) Sorry, that was aggressive. Another interesting
1: point that I think she brought up is how when you have a Glinda of color on, it levels the playing field with Alphaba, and then Alphaba is not othered only because of the color of her skin. And I think that does bring a really interesting dynamic to the
2: show and mm-hmm. to the roles and to the friendship. Like, because that playing field is even on that level of things. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, she's just like a Regina George. Like, she's just like, it's fun to hate her now.
1: Yeah. Oh, sure. Because I don't have an issue with Regina George. I actually love I love Regina to watch George. her be mean. Yeah. I'll listen to World Burn. Boy, will I. And I also think like having an alphabet of color and a Glinda of color would really, really level that playing field and bring a super, super interesting dynamic. So when Ciara Renee takes over from <sighs> Lindsay Heather Pierce and Brittany Johnson takes over from Gina Claire Mason, we're manifesting it. Manifesting. I think it will be thrilling. I will be there on opening night. Brittany, thanks again for coming on. It was like truly bucket list guests. We're so thrilled that we got to talk to you.
2: Thank you so much. It was a joy to have another Glinda episode.
1: I think it's time for Stuck on SJB. Listeners, take note of how I placed that better. If you'll recall, one time I tried doing that and it was
2: right on my break. (laughs) (laughs) Right on the passage. been in a very Funny Girl mood lately um, because I love Funny Girl. I love that score. It's like one of my top three favorite overtures of all time. Um, And I'm very excited for this revival. I'm excited that I get to that there's gonna be a funny revival while I live here in the city. I'm excited to see Beanie in the revival. I'm rooting for her. I'm cheering for her. I'm excited to see Ramin. I'm excited to see him and I'm excited to watch him in the play. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Yeah. So today for Stuck on SJB, we're going to talk about Funny Girl, but we're not talking about the Wichita Pro Shot. No, no. Mm, Curveball. We are talking about the Broadway by the Year 1964 concert. Stephanie J. Block is
1: 1964?
2: Singing. It didn't happen in 1964. 1960- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it- <laughs> Yes, Quincy, Stephanie J. Block is 100. It didn't happen in 1964. It is a concert of songs that opened on Broadway in 1964. Listeners, the way he framed that was misleading. So this is back in like 2009, I think. Right after 9 to 5. Right after 9 to 5, yes. And the vocal quality is very familiar to me because of the 9 to 5 soundtrack. Or the 9 to 5 cast recording. So, are you an I'm the greatest star Fanny Bryce? Are you a Don't Rain on My Parade Fanny Bryce? Or are you a People Who Need People Fanny Bryce? None of the above. Stephanie J. Block is a you are woman Fanny Bryce. Uh, If you're not familiar, it's kind of like the courtship song where like Nikki Arnstein is putting the moves on Fanny and she's like, what? Mm. It is a fantastic comedy piece. And as we have been discussing recently uh, on the pod, is Stephanie J. Block is a comedy queen. And so she's slaying this number. The available recordings, or like the popular recordings of this song, are Barbara Streisand, who has like such a specific placement in her voice. But Miss Block like approaches the song from a very like... Light almost speak singy place. Barbara comes at it from a speak singy place, but it's like a chesty speak sing. And Stephanie's coming at it from the like, I swear to you, I have to do it place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like in the mm-hmm. opening <gasps> of Nine to Five. I swear to you. Yeah, I, I knew you would know me. what I meant. <laughs> when is the Actors Fund gonna do a Nine to Five reunion concert? Not soon enough. Maybe for the fifteenth anniversary, because the ten already passed. I'll take it. I'll take it. We'll if make not, it we'll happen. produce it. That's the that's yeah. the live show. Um, that's that's- <laughs> and yeah, and so I love seeing the song. I love seeing Stephanie be so funny. I love hearing the song sound a little different, and it really primed me and amped me up to hear Beanie's take on the role, which will be decidedly different than Barbra Streisand's take on the role vocally.
1: Kevin, that was a great song kind on of a shippy. I haven't seen it, so please link me and I will watch it.
2: I'll send it to you right now. This is the conclusion of
1: Osttoberfest. We are taking a break through the rest of this year. This was a super fun month.
2: And a, a super fun year, Quincy. This is this is our one-year anniversary.
1: Yeah. We can't it, let
2: that slide by. This is monumental for us too.
1: It is our one year, and I do feel like we have done a lot in a year, Kevin.
2: This is our 28th episode, Quincy. Like, that's a lot.
1: It's a lot. We are going away from your main feeds. We'll be on social and everything, obviously, but mm-hmm. episode wise we're going away from your main feeds until sometime early next year. Mm-hmm. However, if you're in our green circle, we will be coming out with
2: a little mini bonus episodes. Yeah,
1: during this break. A well, little less edited, a little less produced.
2: And not about wicked.
1: Not about wicked.
2: We're gonna pick other musical topics to yeah. to
1: talk about. That's going to be more Kevin and I shoot in the shit, which I feel like is fun and I'm excited to do with you, Kevin. I feel like we've been talking about Wicked a bit too much.
2: Quincy, do you remember at that fucking brunch table like six weeks ago, I said, <laughs> we're going to stand up. Oh, this is kind of full circle. <laughs> and we're not going to stop talking about Wicked until October 31st. And here we are on October 30th, Stopping. ceasing our conversation about Wicked.
1: <laughs> Guys, Take care stay in touch with us on social we'll be here happy halloween join the green circle join the green circle happy thanksgiving happy new year merry christmas
2: leave us a rating and a review
1: Well, yeah please go and leave us a rating and review it would be much appreciated yeah this has been so fun it's weird that
2: we're saying goodbye i we do this every time we record like our last episode is we vamp the ending out forever for like and six ever six minutes because we don't know how to end it <laughs>
1: we'll see you soon and oh deep tease we're shaking things up when we come back and if all goes according to plan kevin hates when i do this but if all goes according to plan the first guest that we come back with is gonna be a curveball but an exciting one
2: and even if it doesn't all go to plan you're gonna think that's who we were talking about anyway so see you in january
1: or february
2: or potentially march so don't (laughs) all right bye guys enjoy the rest of your year Mm. Bye. Bye, guys. Love you.
1: You've been listening to Sentimental Men.
2: This episode was produced and edited by your hosts, Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi.
1: You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at SentMenPod. You can support the pod by leaving us a rating or a review, or by subscribing. Subscribers get early access to our regular episodes, monthly bonus episodes, and get added to the Scent Men Green Circle.
2: Which is literally our close friends on Instagram.
1: (laughs) Thanks to Julia DiMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. Um, happy Halloween guys if any of you dress up as a wicked character DM us send us a pic if
2: any of you dress up as sentimental men DM us I would love to see your Quincy
1: Kevin drag